Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. It is powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him and love him. Is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, at long last, the Chris Harris standoff has come to an end. He's back in the fold. He's at OTAs. He showed up on Wednesday. The deal is done. You no longer have to write two articles a day on rumors surrounding Chris Harris. I am free, Chad. I feel free. No, I'm glad that it's over. I'm glad for the Broncos and their fans. And Chris Harris Jr., it was a win-win for all sides. As we talked about, we'll get into it at length, but I am glad that there's no more distraction for the team. There's no threat of him skipping mandatory minicamp or training camp. He can jump right in and learn this defense and, and be a major key cog for Vic Fangio. In that sense, and the article writing sense, I am glad it's over with. We also got the opportunity on Wednesday to hear from Vic Fangio. Harris himself spoke. So we have uh, a few things we're going to dive into here on today's episode. But first, a quick reminder, you guys, make sure you are following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the HuddleUp podcast in real time. And also, we got to give a little shout out to our YouTube listeners and subscribers. We have a phenomenal community there on YouTube that follow and subscribe wherever you're listening to the show. Some of you might might be listening on Castbox or Megaphone or you're listening on iTunes or whatever. We have a whole community that listens to the show pretty much solely on YouTube. And to that community of fans listening, we thank you guys and we hear you. I, I know that you want us to answer your questions more often than we really get around to doing that and we're going to we're going to get there and today in fact we're going to answer one of our great listeners questions from youtube but uh first though we got to talk about what's going on with chris harris all right zach so the deal is done essentially i mean we can get into the nuts and bolts long story short the broncos gave are giving him 12.05 million this year and he's back there's no additional years added there's it's no extension like we had been hearing the buzz all the momentum appeared to be going that direction that's how it indeed shook out chris harris is back he immediately following the news that he had agreed to a deal with the broncos told mike cliss that you know this is great i'm paraphrasing him here I'm back in the saddle. I get to join my teammates, and right now I'm the fourth-highest-paid corner in the NFL this year, but next year I'm going to be number one. Let me ask you, what does that telegraph to you? I really did not like that message, Chad, and I've been kind of in Chris Harris's junior's corner through this whole thing a little bit. Uh, it, what's right is right, but he came out and pretty much made it all about the money. 
and intimated that that was his one goal was to be the highest paid corner or whatever and, and assuage his own ego. It did not send a message that he wants to stay in Denver beyond this season, that he cares about the team, that he cares about the culture. He cares about himself and his money. And that's his right. That's his prerogative. But I did not like the way he worded it and the way he went about it. Right after the news broke, I published a long-winded gut reaction article for our readers and subscribers at milehighhuddle.com. And basically, I laid it out in the same way that I've been talking about it here on the podcast that I don't like it and I don't love it. I think that the Broncos are really tempting fate and rolling the dice in caving to this demand. Now, look, far be it from me to throw shade on a on a player that's getting their their fair share of the, of the booty. I mean, he deserves that money. There's no question, okay? It, that's not my issue. The issue is the Broncos had leverage. Here's here's if I really boil it down, Zach, this is what bothers me the most about this deal. I'm relieved to have it over and done, but what bothers me the most is that the Broncos have so many players hitting free agency next year, okay? And right now while he was under contract, let's not forget he was under contract for 2019. They had a semblance of leverage. And with that leverage, even though his demand seemed to be ridiculously high, at 30 years old, he was asking for $15 million a year. That's high. And I understand the Broncos didn't want to pay that. But it seems to me, from talking to people, from reading some of the articles of the most plugged-in insiders like Mike Kliss, the Broncos gave up pretty quickly on the idea of working out a multi-year extension because of the money Fred Lyles and Chris Harris were talking about. And I think that was a mistake. I think they should have continued to try and whittle down that money under a multi-year kind of platform because next year, if they think it's going to get any cheaper, it's not. I mean, even if here, – here's how I laid it out. Even if this coming year he has a an average Chris Harris type of season, which I think that's really setting the bar low because he's going to be playing under Vic Fangio. He's going to look good. He's going to be in a contract year. Barring a catastrophic injury, which I don't foresee because Harris is not an injury-prone player, he's probably going to have a great year. So the price tag just in that sense is going to go up. Then you factor in the idea of you know multiple bidders always are going to drive up a, a price. He hits the open waters of unrestricted free agency. Other teams are going to come knocking. That's going to drive the price tag up. To me, basically, Zach, what it really comes down to is this deal, even though it's great for the short term, we'll talk about what it means for 2019, it all but ensures, this is my opinion, that he's gone in 2020. I, but I think we knew that, or at least it was trending in that direction over the course of the offseason. When they, they pushed him aside and they went out and signed Jackson, they signed Callahan. My last response was to how he handled uh, his comments to Kliss. As for the deal itself, I mean, Chad, you and I and most people were assuming that he would get in the $14, $15 million range for this one year alone. I think bumping him to 12, I was a little surprised it was that low. I didn't think he would settle for that, but he just wanted to be above Kareem Jackson. And that's where, you know, my point was, it's one thing to want that. And for him to come out and pretty much admit that, I thought Kliss was hacked. I didn't think they were real comments. But to get him and pay him a couple more, $3.5 million more, it's not conventional. It's not ideal. It's, it is a little unprecedented, but you got to keep him happy. Keep a happy shop. It's for optics. We talked about this before, and I don't think Elway has an intention of keeping him around. If he did, he would have locked him up sooner, not splurge at the position, uh, and not fiddle with him. He wants him for this season. He thinks he can help the Broncos win. Harris thinks he can help the Broncos win, and if he does— 
he plays himself into a bigger contract with the Broncos or any other team. So in that sense, it works out for both sides. And look at it this way. What if his contract had expired this offseason and they franchise tagged him? I mean, you'd be paying four more million dollars more a year for one year than 12. So a one-year $12 million contract, and some Broncos fans want to tag him next offseason if they have that option. It would be more than that. It is now. So I think getting him at 12, getting a Pro Bowl, all-pro player back there for a win-now season, and you don't know what could happen. I mean, they can have some good faith talks down the road. He can get injured. You never really know. I mean, Kareem Jackson can bust. There's so many variables here. Uh, but I think I was I was bracing for him to get 15 and to only get 12. I think they did pretty well that way to uh, retain that talent and avoid any sort of distraction. Yeah. I mean, what I had heard, too, with now I'm not sure on this. I haven't researched it myself, is that one of the finer points of this contract adjustment the Broncos agreed to with Harris is that he can't be franchise tag next year. I don't think that was confirmed, though. I've read the same thing. Yeah. So I and and I'm right there with you. I haven't seen that from a reputable source yet. But if that's true, you know, that's just uh, another way that Elway caved to Harris, and it kind of shows really the the viewpoint the Broncos have on him, the outlook long term. There is no long term outlook in this humble host's opinion. But I like what you hit on there. I mean, how much this was, how much the the Kareem Jackson deal really stuck. In, in Chris Harris's craw. And yep. we talked about it when the Broncos made that signing and then followed it up with Bryce Callahan. We had the alarm bells going off, right? Like, ooh, yep. what does this mean? Like, this is kind of weird for Chris Harris because he's making only X. You know, he's only making not even $9 million this year, and you've got Kareem Jackson who never even made a Pro Bowl coming in at 31, making $11 million. But I think even we underestimated how – much Elway was really telegraphing the future for Chris Harris at that point. Like, it's not that by paying Harris or by paying Jackson, he, the Broncos couldn't pay Harris. It's that by paying Jackson and then paying Callahan right. in successive order right. without also taking care of Chris Harris, that, uh, you know, that's kind of telling the story of probably where this is headed long term. But He's been very upfront about how much that bothered him. And I have to wonder, I mean, they're professionals. I'm sure it's all going to be quashed. But I have to wonder how much that might create any kind of, you know, issue with, between Harris and Jackson. Just how much Harris has talked about it in the press. Yeah, it's pretty spot on. And I could you, you can rationalize the Kareem Jackson signing because he can play safety too. But the Callahan signing to meet Chad a couple days later or whatever it was, that was just the icing on top. I mean, he plays the same position as Chris Harris Jr. Maybe not quite as good, but not too far off either. And to get both of those players, it was just a giant red flag that, hey, he might be around for the season, but don't expect him you know, beyond 2019. And to the notion that Elway got played, we don't know what the negotiations consisted of. Maybe he told Lyles, we don't want to franchise tag him. We don't want him back beyond this year. He's a hired gun for 2019. That is what he is. It's a sad way to end his legacy if it is ending, but it happened with the Keep to Leave. It happened with C.J. Anderson. It happened with T.J. Ward. It happened with Demarius Thomas. And what happens is after he's gone, when he's gone, it'll be sad for a little while, but eventually he'll be forgotten about. Who's still talking about a Keep to Leave right now? Not many people. As sad as it is for Chris Harris Jr., A, we don't know anything, and B, if it is his final season, you've got to enjoy this one. The NFL is a business. He's going to be 31 next offseason. He's given the Broncos a lot of good years, helped them win a title, and it's just what happens. So if you can get him back for 12 this year, which is still under what I think his value would be on the open market, and you have that talent on the defense, 
and you have a, a front office and a coaching staff that thinks you can win this year, you got to just roll with that in the short term and, as always, done, kick the can down the road and see where it lands. Our friend Eric Trickle talked about this on Wednesday on the milehighhuddle.com, uh, the MHH Insiders VIP forum, that part of the motivation or the rationalization for John Elway getting this done is he's trying to change the perception not only around the league but in the Broncos locker room that he's cheap that the team is cheap, that they don't take care of their own. How much do you think just sweetening a contract year deal by, you know, three million bucks, whatever it was, is really going to go that far in terms of swaying people in the locker room who might have doubts that their hard work and efforts are going to lead to any kind of long-term stability in Denver? I don't think it was enough. Now, if he would have found a way to extend Chris Harris on a multi-year deal, I could see that making some changing some minds and some hearts, so yep. to speak, in the locker room. But I don't know, man. I don't I, I don't see that and not I don't think Eric's wrong. I think that that, part, that was part of the motivation for Elway and getting this done is the optics of it. I was gonna say I think the way Elway handled this, and I've been kind of supportive of him, but the way he handled this did more harm than good in outsiders' eyes. It's a let their homegrown stud, a former undrafted free agent, a pro bowler, languish for months, and they go out and they sign two outside players who aren't as good, and they, then at that point, they don't even take care of them with a the long-term deal. They kind of just you know, sweeten the pot for 2019 and pretty much admit he's gone after this. So I think it did more more bad than good in saying that if you're a free agent here, you might get a couple more million dollars in your final year of contract, but they don't even want to make it that long, Chad. Players want to sign new deals in two, three years. They don't want to... Chris Harris Jr. was a nightmare. He got signed to a deal that was below market value and then played out the entire deal almost and then didn't even get an extension on top of that when he's near the prime of his career. It sent a bad message, and that's where I think Elway messed up. He should have taken care of his star months ago, like we talked about, instead of letting this play out and play out and play out. And It wasn't a good look, and the only reason he did this now was because he backed himself into a corner. He had no other choice. And this is another thing Trickle brought up today, too, that I agree with is that you know, this is a cautionary tale for players that, look, when your star's burning bright, do not agree to a team-friendly a team friendly deal when you're under 30. If you're under right. 30 years old, you know, it's going to be tempting because the money's there and you're going from making, you know, half a million dollars a year to suddenly if you, you know, sign on the line that is dotted, you jump all the way up to six, seven, eight, nine million, whatever it is for guys like Chris Harris or Derek Wolf. But don't do it because if you wait just two more months, you're going to make a lot more than that on the open market or even with from your team because you're going to have other teams vying for your services. The team that drafted you or the team that you're with that's asking you to take that team-friendly deal, they're going to be willing to pony up a little bit more because that's the nature of demand, you know, supply and demand. If the demand is high, the price goes up. Uh, even Harris said earlier, and I'm paraphrasing, he said he was uh, acting a fool when he signed his first contract. So what that led me to believe was he was naive. He was under the impression that if he took less now, he'd be rewarded later. But what he learned and what most people know about the NFL, there is no such thing as loyalty on either side. It's a business. It's a dog-eat-dog, bloodthirsty business. And Elway, literally at heart, is a businessman. So you're not going to really – 
get much over on him. You're not going to really con him. He's going to con you. And I, Tris Harris Jr. learned that. Uh, Von Miller learned that. A lot of Broncos players are learning that. And that's where I think Elway's starting to step back and say to himself, I can't develop that reputation. I got to do what I can control now to kind of shed that because that's based out of his own ego. So it's all kind of a, uh, a dirty cycle here. I thought it was interesting, too, that on Wednesday – you know, Vic Fangio takes the podium and he's asked about what he wants to see from Chris Harris in the next two weeks and how long he thinks it's going to take for Chris Harris to get caught up, right? Because he is behind the, the eight ball in terms of learning and installing Fangio's new scheme. Fangio said, quote, I don't know yet. I don't know him well enough to see. He told me he'll learn fast, but I have to see it, not hear it, close quote, which I love that kind of verbiage, man. He's the He's the kind of guy that he's just – there's no fluff. And not only that in the media, right? We've talked about that a lot, that he just tells it like it is. But he is very blunt and direct to the point with his players. And I think that's one of the reasons it it brings out the best in them because if that was Vance Joseph getting asked that question, you know, as a rookie <laughs> head coach, you'd hear about how great of a player Harris is. He's a pro great practice. Bowler. I have no doubt he's going to be able to pick up the system. Fangio's like, I don't know. I don't know well enough to see. He told me he's going to learn fast, but prove it. You know, I love that. I do too. And he only had a couple reps, Harris, and uh, with the first string, and then he was taken out. And Vic Fangio is someone who literally criticized Von Miller, a future Hall of Famer. So I'm not surprised he's making you know Chris Harris work for his spot. Ultimately, he'll be a starter. But I I agree with you, Chad. We've been saying it for a while now. I love the culture that Fangio is instilling for each and every player in the organization. We'll get to a couple other things Fangio had to say on Wednesday, but one last thing on the Harris topic that I want to bring up. Uh, let's just put the contract aspect and whether or not it was a mistake and all this stuff. Let's just put that to bed. I want to talk about 2019, you know, because that's really what this is telegraphing, especially for Elway, is look, I brought in the right coaches. I got, I upgraded the quarterback room. I upgraded the defense, and now I've got Chris Harris back. We're all in for 2019, and that's one of the biggest takeaways for me from all of this I mean this was the punctuation of Elway saying throughout this whole entire offseason it's 2019 or bust you know and that's why we're not going to see Drew Locke anytime soon unless there's an injury of course to Joe Flacco but as it relates to Chris Harris's prospects in Vic Fangio's scheme I'm extremely extremely optimistic as I had mentioned earlier that he's going to have a really good year and He talked about, now, for those of you who've been listening to the show for a long time, you're going to remember this, but when the depredations were being suffered under Joe Woods and and Vance Joseph, Chris Harris, Zach, he was quite vocal about, look, you know, we're not changing things up. Like, we're just lining up across from our guy. We're spelling it out pre-snap that we're in man, and I'm just running with guys down the field. You know, it's we need to change it up. We're not doing that. And even Aqib Tlaib echoed that, if you remember. Yeah. Um, but here's what he said, Chris Harris, with regard to working with Vic Fangio. And again, this is day one for him with Fangio. Here's what he said about playing in his system. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course. But uh, the way the way defense is set up, man, it's, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be confusing. Uh, it's going to be able to we're going to be able to disguise, uh, be able to make quarterbacks think instead of just coming out there and like, OK, y'all know we're in man. You know what I mean? And, and now I don't have to play a guy man to man and cover him all over the field like I've had in the past. And now I can read and be able to – I think my picks will go way up now because I'm going to have a chance to read the quarterback more. Um, um, I get to show you all a different skill set that I got. All right, Zach. So he's talking about disguising it. He's talking about, you know – and it kind of 
it hints at some of the things the other players have said about it being a multiple type of scheme. There's going to be a lot more zone. Communication is going to be crucial in terms of guys uh, trusting each other and being on the same page. And that's really what zone comes down to. But what I really like there is how he talked about he's going to be able to utilize his instincts more and how he thinks it's going to lead to a lot more interceptions for him in a contract year. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think the Broncos defense as a whole is going to force more turnovers because of better coaching and scheme. And with the secondary, with all the disguise coverages, Chad, and all the different types of coverages they will run and using Harris inside and outside, it will it should lead to more picks if he stays healthy. And what I like, though, one underrated aspect is what Fangio showed in Chicago. He loves blitzing slot corners off the edge. And from what we've seen of Chris Harris Jr. when he was allowed to do that, he was really, really good in that role. As a whole, Harris should thrive if he stays healthy, and he should. He should really do well in this defense, and I think his stats will be inflated because the Broncos' defense as a whole will just be more opportunistic, uh, more aggressive, more ball hawking, and uh, Harris should benefit in more ways than one. Last thing before we turn the page and move on to the next topic of today's show, I want to play this clip of Chris Harris talking about what it's like to play with Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan, which, again, this is his first day, but take it for what it's worth. Here's what he said. Oh, it's going good so far. Uh, just like I said, we can we got three guys that can play multiple positions. Uh, I don't know where everybody was set at. I mean, pretty much I'm set at left corner right now, but I'm learning the nickel. I'm learning uh, just all, all the spots that I can. And uh, Kareem, Dave, he's pretty much already learning nickel and safety. So uh, right now I'm just – my job's really in this defensive lot is, is just to make plays and uh, just do whatever I can, uh, take the pressure off those guys. All right, Zach, so, you know, what else is he going to say on day one of finally hitting the field with Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan? But to me, though, it's really exciting all the different ways that Vic Fangio is going to be be able to utilize these three corners because they are so versatile, and both Jackson and Harris actually can play safety, even though I don't think Fangio has any designs on Harris playing safety this year, but I thought that was interesting. And then you have Bryce Callahan, who can play inside and outside. And then you have Justin Simmons, who played some cornerback last year when they were injured in the secondary. This, as a whole, that back end is so versatile. Then you throw in players like Sua Cravens, DeMonte Thomas, Jamal Carter. I mean, it really is an embarrassment of riches back there right now. So if there's one aspect of the Broncos I'm excited to see this year, it's by far the secondary. All right, we're still going to tackle a couple more things Vic Fangio had to say on Wednesday. We're going to answer one question from one of our great YouTube listeners. But first, we're going to take a quick break, you guys. We'll be right back. Huddle Up Podcast listeners, check this out. If you've been thinking about becoming a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber, now's the time to do it. We have a phenomenal offer to get your foot in the door as a new VIP. Right now, you can get your first month of VIP for $1. That's insane value, and it immediately gives you access to all of the premium content we produce. If you want to subscribe for the year, new annual subscribers will get 30% off the cost of a membership. Never before have we been able to offer new subscribers this kind of introductory incentive to pull the trigger. This is how you get access to our VIP mailbags every Friday. Zach and I answer each and every question from our VIPs, even if it means an episode goes a little bit long. Jumping on this offer also gives you 100% access to every piece of content we produce on the front page, including our Broncos film room breakdowns and every other form of deep dive Broncos content our site is known for. VIPs also get entry into our members-only MHH Insiders Forum, where you hear the insider buzz first from our talented and plugged-in staff, and you get to engage with other passionate and knowledgeable fans just like you. 
becoming a VIP subscriber, you guys. It's the best way to support the work and the time Zach and I put into producing a daily podcast for your listening pleasure and edification. So go to milehighhuddle.com, click on the green banner, choose monthly or annual, and you are locked in. The regular season will be here before you know it. So jump on one of these offers, Broncos country. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, let's talk about a couple of the things Fangio had to say. One of them, of course, surrounds Mr. Sua Cravens, how he fits the team, what his prospects are. And Vic Fangio said, quote, he's got to be a safety first and foremost. Anything besides safety is just a couple crumbs here and there. He's got to win a job on this team as a safety, close quote. And what the implication was there is, do you, you know, do you project him as being a nickel back, or excuse me, nickelbacker, dimebacker, et cetera, playing more linebacker? Because he's up to like 235 right now, Sue Cravens. To me, that's Cravens saying, look, hey, coaches, hey, you know, I might not be able to cut it as a safety, but, you know, try me at linebacker. Let me try and increase my value and odds at making this team. But here's Fangio saying, get that out of your head. You need to prove yourself first as a safety, and then we'll talk. Yeah, to me, it was Fangio saying, eat what's on your plate right now before you ask for seconds. And it doesn't really bode well for Cravens if he's a strictly a safety considering the bodies in front of him. Uh, I think his best role was to be that that Will Parks dimebacker. But if Fangio doesn't believe, and I think that's what I'm reading between the lines, he doesn't believe he can do both those positions. And based on what we heard this offseason at the Combine and stuff, it, it Cravens actually has an uphill battle. I, I mean, yep. I don't think any Broncos fan should be surprised when or if he's cut this summer. Yep. Agree 100%. Another interesting thing Fangio had to say was regarding Mr. Nine Fingers himself, Troy Fumagalli, who had to redshirt, of course, his entire rookie year due to that sports hernia surgery. How has he looked so far? We've written a lot about and talked a lot about Noah Fant. We've talked about Jeff Hireman. We've even talked quite a bit lately of Jake Butt, at least on the website in the written form. What about Fumagalli? He's still so much an unknown quantity in our estimation because we just don't have anything as a pro with which to analyze him. Here's what Fangio said, though, specifically about how Fumagalli is looking in practice. He said, quote, good. I think all the tight ends have done well, and I think Troy has surpassed some of our expectations already. That's without pads on. We'll see when the pads come on, but I think he's doing well overall, closed quote. Again, the caveat is, Everyone looks good, or better anyway, without pads. Once the pads go on, we'll see if Fumagalli can you know, continue that momentum, but it's at least good to hear that he's not only impressing the coaches, but he's surpassing their expectations. Yeah, I know. Personally, I'm guilty because I've kind of not written off Fumagalli, but I focused more on the other tight ends in front of him, especially Fant and Jake Butt. But he's the wild card here. He's, I think, uh, healthier than the other three, and not except for Noah Fant, obviously, but he has that pass-catching experience. They liked him last year. He was ready to be a contributor. They just wanted him to get healthy first. But um, just as a weapon for Joe Flacco, another weapon, added weapon, it can't hurt. Anything he contributes this year, he's not going to be a starter, but anything he contributes should be just, as Fangio put it, the crumbs on top. I'm excited for one to see his progression because I liked him in college. He has uh, a tough battle in front of him because he's so new to the system and the team, but I'm intrigued. You know, he's the written off guy, and it's always that dark horse in the summer who kind of shines through. Yeah. I'm just really excited to see some film of Fumagalli in a Broncos uniform. I'm looking forward right. to the preseason for that. And, of course, training camp, which it feels like a million miles off right now, but it'll be here before we know it. Last thing from Fangio on Wednesday, 
well, two things, and we'll, I'll serve them up to you uh, at one time. He said that Kevin Hogan looks much improved from what he remembers years ago, and then also that Will Parks is having a really, really good and impressive offseason. I mean, what does that first comment even mean, though? Hogan's made one start in his career. I mean, exactly. how much be- how much better could he be? It's right. That's another comment that you make on May 29th, and I, I think in a couple months from now, you won't be hearing the same thing from Fangio. Yeah. And that's the thing, like our colleague with the Denver Post, Ryan O'Halloran, who we got a chance to chat with a little bit at the Combine, he wrote, I think, uh, it was this was sent to me, in fact, uh, on Wednesday. Someone messaged me this, DM'd me this. Oh, what does this mean about Kevin Hogan? Ryan was answering a, a mailbag question about Hogan, something like that. And he said that basically he thinks that don't sleep on Hogan because, you know, his the one edge he has over all these other backups, you know, meaning Locke and, and uh, Brett Rippon, is that he actually has NFL experience. My dog, it's one game. <laughs> and it was in Cleveland. And he's bounced around the league. I mean, he should look better in terms of command right now than Locke and Rippon. But trust me when I say, you guys, once they get out into a competitive environment where they're going against outside competition, I'm talking preseason games, training camp, the tempo, the pace, the intensity goes up a few notches, you're going to see Kevin Hogan get left in the dust. Yeah, I was going to say, as soon as Drew Locke's uh, brain catches up to his physical talent, Hogan will be cut. And Fangio, this comment will be silly. Uh, Three months from now is my guess. By late August, he won't be on the team. And all this will be for naught. I mean... He might have experience. He should be light years ahead right now, just by virtue of being in the NFL compared to two raw rookie quarterbacks. He should be ahead. Will he stay ahead, though? I seriously, seriously doubt that. And I do love hearing, though, that Will Parks is earning some – I mean, he impressed the heck out of the last coaching staff. We know how much he and Vance Joseph had that connection. Yep. I like to hear that he's following suit with Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel because, you know, if you can – if you're the coach that can somehow – get Will Parks to fire on all cylinders in a contract year. We've seen him flash insane ability at times. I mean, that play he made last year against Pittsburgh, that effort play, that motor play, that intensity where he crossed the entire field to knock that t- that tight end at the goal line, ball loose, touchback, saves a touchdown, knocks the dude out almost. I mean, that's the type of you know spark a guy like Will Parks can bring to the table. The problem is, Zach... He's just never been able to consistently produce, and nobody produces those type of plays consistently, right? There's not like 30 or 40 of those type of plays to be made in a single game. But from a consistency perspective, that's been the biggest thing from Will Parks is he'll go make a big flash play, and then you'll see him get burned two or three times in a row in coverage, or he'll miss a tackle, or he'll go for the big hit and look a fool or whatever. If this coaching staff can find a way to reach him in its contract year, he's entering year four, you know, this is when you really start seeing these type of players kind of hit their stride. I'm excited to see that version of Will Parks if Fangio and Donatel can suss it out of him. Yeah, well, another thing I like about Parks is on social media, he's always around Von Miller. He shared a video last night of him working out with Chris Harris Jr. He's such a great teammate. He's so Broncos first, and he, he's a just a good player to have in the locker room. Talent-wise on the field, I don't know if he'll ever be a star or maybe a consistent starter, but in this coaching staff, he can be a weapon for Vic Fangio. They're going to put him in a position to succeed and minimize his weaknesses, and I think he can help him as a dimebacker, as a safety, whatever, in this defense with so many moving chess pieces for Vic, Vic Fangio and Donatel, um, The possibilities are endless, and I'm... I wasn't the biggest Parks fan, but after last year and watching him on film and after that Steelers game, like you mentioned, Chad, I mean, my eyes kind of opened up. 
he can be a real, real asset to this defense. And I'm with you. I'm excited to see his progression under a competent, real coaching staff. All right, before we get out of here, let's answer one question from the Mile High Mailbag via YouTube because we are your football priests. And each and every week, we're here to offer the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions, including our great listeners on YouTube. And one thing I want to remind our listeners on YouTube is obviously anytime you listen and, and get a watch or a view or whatever on YouTube, that's a, that's a good for us, right? That's your support in the show. It's great. But what really helps out on YouTube is when you like the video. Okay. So don't forget if you're listening, make sure you click the like button because what that does is it tells YouTube that this is a quality video. Fans are interacting with it, and then they put it in front of other Broncos fans who have similar interests. Okay, so keep that in mind. But this comes from Stony Neff on YouTube, and his question is, what unit, Zach, do you expect to be most improved this year, and what and who do you think the dark horse of training camp will be? Thanks. Hmm. Uh, what jumped out to me right away was offensive line or secondary. Uh, just based on coaching and, and the talent infusion there with Mike Munchak and, and Reisner and Jawan James on the offensive line, the secondary, which we talked about the, the entire podcast here, yeah, I think uh, those positions will improve the Broncos. And especially for the offense, I mean, that was the biggest Achilles heel for them. That was their biggest weakness. Now if they can turn it into a source of strength. Um, I mean, that's the difference between a uh, pretender and a contender. And I think the Broncos can make the playoffs if they get consistency there. Um, in terms of a dark horse, I don't know. I, someone, you know, someone like a Will Park, someone like a, a Demarcus Walker, someone written off, maybe like a Todd Davis, who we don't think is going to thrive in this defense. I think will sh- will stand us up in the summer and kind of uh, stake his claim. Other than that, though, I don't really, I don't really know right now. What do you think, Chad? Yeah, I mean, I'd have to put a little bit more thought into it. But off the cuff, one name I'll throw out there is Juwan Winfrey, the sixth-round pick. Oh, that's a good one. Who, you know, again, when that pick was made, you guys heard me, both of us, we were down on that pick. It just, after the Broncos crushed every other selection, that one just came off. After they traded up to get him, it was like, wait a minute, who, what? But after hearing him talk, doing some research, talking to some people, watching some film, now I understand it, okay? it's It makes a lot more sense. I can see him now. When the when the pick was first made, I was saying, "Look, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a guy that plays his rookie year on the on the practice squad." I now think, conversely, that he's bound for the active roster. I, I think this is a guy that's going to make some hay this summer. The question is, who can he leapfrog on the depth chart as a rookie? Because rookies, it takes a little time. Like even Cortland Sutton, who had a really good. I mean, if you just look at it overall a very productive rookie campaign. I think it was the fourth best rookie wide receiver season in Broncos history. But even then, you could tell he wasn't firing on all cylinders. It takes time. Now, we hope we see an improved, progressive type of Cortland Sutton in year two, and the same goes for Deshaun Hamilton. So with with, But with Juwan Winfrey, you know, that learning curve is still going to apply. But he has, and even this was interesting, Hamilton, Deshaun Hamilton, a couple weeks ago at OTAs talked about this when he was asked about Winfrey is you look at his size, and he said, look, he actually has some, he surprises you at how twitchy and quick he is for his size. So he's he's getting noticed from his fellow, you know, wide receivers, and he's one of those players that I would say is a dark horse to keep an eye on. No one's really talking about him yet, but I think once you get to training camp and all the media's out there and the fans are there and the cameras are rolling and you're going to see some, some you know, poster-type plays, 
And in the preseason, you know, if he can find a way to make some some big plays, score a couple times maybe, I think he'll cement himself a spot on the roster. Yeah, it's funny. When you were talking, I was before you said Winfrey, I was thinking Tim Patrick as a dark horse. I, for some reason, I think he's just bound for a bigger breakout year. He might not, you know, surpass Hamilton and uh, Cortland Sutton, but he might have a – I think Flacco will have good chemistry with him. If you want to talk about kind of an underrated dark horse, though, even though that might be a contradiction, uh, Garrett Bowles. And I'm not the biggest fan of him, but a lot of Broncos fans are down right now. They think he's kind of a lost cause. Mike Bunchak even said he wants consistency from him. Um, I don't know how he would prove that he's kind of succeeding, just being consistent, I guess. But that's one player who's kind of at the bottom in fan morale right now, who may surprise with a bump in coaching this year. That's one player who can go from, you know, the outhouse to the penthouse in the fans' eyes. Well, there you have it, Stoney Neff. Thanks for the question. We'll try and keep him more... uh consistent ourselves i on the youtube questions and uh so thanks to all our youtube listeners stony neff i hope you hope you enjoyed that let's uh call it a day zach i think we we've talked enough about chris harris let's put it in the rear view focus on this team 2019 tomorrow is vip mailbag friday so for our vips we got a thread up at mhh insiders go there get your questions in zach and i will answer and address each and every one of them on Friday's show. In the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can find Zach on Twitter at Kelberman247, myself at Chad and Jensen on iTunes. Don't forget to review the show. Give us that five-star rating on YouTube. Make sure you're liking the video every time you listen to the pod. Huge, huge thing. But we'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.